Good morning. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 15. We'll be reading the first two verses. Luke chapter 15. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And all the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man looks for sinners and eats with them. or not, we all feel their pull. And like it or not, we all use them and use them frequently. Like magnets, they can have a powerful pull toward, and like magnets, they can have a powerful pushing away. What I'm talking about are labels. Labels. You know, when you think about labels, they can be amazingly useful and purposeful. They can inform us. They can educate us. Labels can warn us. For example, if a person takes medication, there is a label on the bottle. And the bottle tells them the frequency that they should be taking the medication. The, the, the medication tells them the number, uh, uh, the, uh, the amount of the medication that they're taking. You can even look at the label and it tells you possible side effects of the medication that you're taking. Yes, labels can be helpful. When I go to the store looking for a shirt, I am not looking for a small. Warnings, instructions, information, labels can be helpful if I'm looking for one for myself. Labels can be useful. But take just a moment and go back in your mind to school days. Labels can be mean. Labels can be unfair. Labels can be inaccurate. Dumb. You're dumb. You're worthless. You're ugly. You're fat. You'll never amount to anything. You know, some labels can really be inaccurate and unfair and hurtful and destructive. Isn't that true? And sometimes a label may be somewhat true, but not completely Maybe in the church we use the term, I'm very conservative. But aren't we to be liberal in the way we give? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 
Shouldn't we be liberal in the way we love and forgive and give thanks? What I'm simply saying is that labels can have a great amount of attractiveness to them, and yet at the same time, they can be very inaccurate and hurtful and devastating, so care needs to be exercised in how we use them. And one thing I want to say at the very beginning is, it is not what other human beings think about you that is the most important thing. So do not derive your sense of identity based on what others have labeled you. Derive your sense of identity from what God says about you. God says every human being has been created in his image. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. God says every human being is fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 and verse 14. God says that he formed and that he made each one of us as human beings in order to glorify him. Isaiah 43 and verse 7. Friend, I want to say this to all, not just the assembly here this morning, but to anyone that will hear my voice for days and weeks and months and years to come. Every human being is unique and precious and special. It is what the maker, the owner, and the purchaser thinks that matters. And when the maker, owner, and purchaser is God, you matter to God. Slogans. Slogans can be good. Slogans can be inaccurate and unfair and wrong and harmful. I want to look at five slogans that are worth everyone wearing this morning. Five slogans that are worth everyone wearing. Slogans can be misunderstood. Sometimes they can be twisted. But if we allow God and His Word to be the standard that describes the slogan, it'll be really helpful. You see, man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7. Sometimes it's hard for us to judge righteous judgment. We make a decision about someone, we categorize them. But maybe we didn't have all of the information. Have you ever misjudged anybody? I suspect you have because the only one that hasn't is God. 
humans have just a real propensity, a real leaning to look at someone and to judge them inaccurately at times. Five labels that are worth everyone wearing. You with me? Label number one. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Bet you didn't think I was going there, did you? That is a label that all of us should be aware of and should long to wear. The term is distinctive to the Gospel of John, and many have rightly said, I believe that John does not refer to himself in the Gospel of John by name, but he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, John is one of the sons of thunder along with his brother James. So that expression, that label that he and James had been given as brothers may say a lot about their personalities. But when you read the Gospel of John... It's as if John cannot get over the fact that Jesus loves me the way that he does. I follow him and he loves me as no one has ever loved me before. Open your Bibles to John 13. You'll see this in John 13, 23 and following. You'll see John... The disciple whom he loved. And he has witnessed the humility of Jesus in washing feet. He has seen the love of Jesus throughout his ministry. And he's mentioned the disciple whom he loved. Go to John 19, 26 and 27. John 19, 26 and 27. In this passage, we're at the foot of the cross and we see Mary, the mother of Jesus. And oh, what a day that must have been for Mary. But who's beside her? The disciple whom he loved. Like John, I want to see the love and humility of Jesus. And like John, I want to see the compassion and the sacrifice of Jesus. Turn to John 20 and verse 2. The disciple that he loved... understood something of the power and the resurrection of Jesus. Those who are followers of Jesus, that are people that really know something about the love of Jesus, they know about His humility. They know about His giving, loving nature. They know about His sacrifice and His compassion. But they know about His resurrection and His power. They've experienced it. John saw an empty tomb and we've experienced a life full of sin 
that's been made clean by the blood of Jesus. Look at John 21, verse 7. It's John that says, It is the Lord, one who loves the Lord and knows that they're loved by Jesus, recognizes him and his lordship. Turn to John 21. And notice 21 and following. The disciple whom Jesus loved is used when Peter says, what about him? How's he going to die? Those that are loved by Jesus understand that our future is in his hands. think that's a label I'm willing to wear don't you to gratefully be a disciple loved by Jesus secondly consider this label son or daughter of encouragement open your Bibles to the book of Acts son or daughter of encouragement turn to Acts chapter 4 Look at verses 34 through 37. While slogans can be abused, labels can be abused, if we allow the Bible to dictate how they are to be understood, there are labels that are worth wearing. Being a son or daughter of encouragement is a label worth wearing. God is the God of all encouragement and comfort. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. We're like Jesus when we encourage. I'd say encouragement is always in short supply in this old world, don't you? And in the early days of the church, they followed a habit of calling someone the daughter or son of some attribute or quality that they excelled in. And Barnabas, his real name is is Joseph. But you know what? We all call him Barnabas because behold how he encourages. He encouraged the early church in Acts 4, 34 through 37 by his generosity. If I would be a son or daughter of encouragement, I ought to be following that kind of example. Turn to Acts 9. Notice verses 26 and 27. Saul of Tarsus, Paul, had become a Christian. And there was some apprehension concerning him. After all, he'd persecuted Christians and killed some, imprisoned others. Maybe he's just trying to infiltrate the church and get the names and addresses of everybody. You know that some people in the church had to kind of look down with a lot of skepticism about him. 
But the Bible says, but Barnabas. He encouraged the church and he encouraged Saul, Paul. Because there are times in our life that we simply need somebody to stand up and say an encouraging word. I wish the old song, the old western song was more true about the church. Where seldom is heard a discouraging word. But I'm going to tell you what. There's too many in the church that are not enough like Barnabas. That are not sons and daughters of encouragement. But it's a label worth applying. Turn to Acts 11. 21 through 31. Barnabas is the son of encouragement. Men and ladies, he encourages young Christians. Who needs encouragement? Well, everybody. But there's a lot of new Christians at Antioch, and it is Barnabas who goes and encourages them. Look at Acts 13 and 14. It is part of being an encourager to be a team player. Barnabas was no slouch. He knew a lot about God and his word. He had a background that proved it. He obviously has a lot of ability because when Barnabas stands up for Saul, the church tends to accept Paul more. It's Barnabas that helps these early Christians in Antioch and does a lot, but in Acts 13 and 14, now he's part of a team working with Paul. And what happens is this. In the minds of some people, Barnabas becomes second fiddle with Paul being a primary player with the gospel. But you know what? You know what, Brian? Doesn't seem to matter to Barnabas. He doesn't care who gets the credit as long as God gets the honor and glory. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. Chapter 15. He is a model of encouragement even when he disagrees with Paul in Acts 15, 36 through 40. There is a heated disagreement concerning whether or not to take a young man, John Mark, with them on the missionary journey that they're going to be going on. One says he doesn't need to come. The other says, yes, let's take him. Am I willing to do what I believe is right in the sight of God to such a degree I will encourage someone, in this case John Mark, even if it means disagreeing strongly with Paul? Barnabas did. And Paul would later say of John Mark, he's useful to me in ministry, 2 Timothy 4. Again, in Galatians 2, 
Barnabas is mentioned in verses 1 through 13. In Galatians 2, and it's mentioned that he was carried away by what Peter and others were doing. And in the case of Galatians 2, it's racial prejudice. And the Bible says even Barnabas was carried away. Paul was surprised. He got apostolic shock. There's a lot of people that I think might have gotten caught up in that kind of thing. But never in a million years would I have thought it would have been Barnabas. That's what Paul seems to be saying. Will I be known for encouraging to such a degree that when something is flat out wrong, I will not participate in it? And not only that, I will encourage those who are as graciously as I can not to. Barnabas was the kind of person that got caught up, but rarely in such a thing. Number three, labels that are worth wearing. A label worth wearing is friend of Sinners. When we let the Bible identify that label, on at least five different occasions, this is the accusation made. And it's not being said complimentary of Jesus in a complimentary way. It's said in an accusatory way. But shouldn't we be glad that Jesus is the friend of sinners? Nothing should cause our souls to have greater joy and hope and trust than the fact that Jesus is the friend of sinners. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 9. We'll look at five cases where Jesus is called a friend of sinners. Matthew 9, 9 through 13, and it's parallel Luke chapter 5, 27 through 32. This is when Matthew, Levi, the tax collector, has been called. And Matthew has a party. And Jesus is the guest of honor. And all kinds of people are there. Well, Matthew's been a tax collector. Don't you imagine some other tax collectors are present? Because Matthew wants others to come to know Jesus the way he has. And there were those who were saying, he's a friend of sinners. Of people that just aren't what they ought to be. Again, turn if you would to Matthew 11. In Matthew 11, notice verses 16 through 19. A comparison is being made between John the baptizer and Jesus. And John came along and John was kind of an odd duck. 
in a lot of ways. Out in the wilderness preaching his message, getting things ready for Jesus to come. And what people are saying is this. They said John the baptizer is an odd ball. He's an odd duck. And Jesus is nothing like him. Because he associates with people. He's not just out in the wilderness all the time. Preaching. And Jesus said, you know what? There were people who complained about John because of what he didn't do. And now they're complaining about me because of what I do. You just can't please some people. That's one of the things that's 100% certain in life. You cannot please some people. Period. So they said... He associates with tax collectors and sinners. Aren't you glad he's a friend of sinners? Again, turn to Luke chapter 9 and look at verses 36 through 50. There is a sinful woman who anoints Jesus. She knows who she is and she's got an idea. She thinks of who Jesus is. She's drawn to him. He cares for me even though I'm a sinner. And this is in the home of a Pharisee by the name of Simon. And Simon says, if Jesus knew what kind of woman this was, she is, he'd have nothing to do with her. And Jesus said, Simon, I've got something to say to you. Who loves more? The one who has been forgiven the most or the one who's been forgiven a little? And Simon says, well, I guess the one that's been forgiven the most. You see, Simon didn't think he needed but just a little bit of forgiveness. He's already good enough on his own to take care of three-quarters of it, maybe even nine-tenths of it on a good day, Brother Bill. But that woman knew she needed more than that. She needed Jesus. Turn to Luke chapter 15, the friend of sinners. He welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so the three stories that follow of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son all are speaking with the setting that you've got to keep in mind that Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. He welcomes sinners. He welcomes those who go astray. He welcomes those who are lost. He welcomes those who are rebellious. He welcomes those who are self-righteous, who turn to him. Luke 19. Luke 19, another tax collector. His name is Zacchaeus, and Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' home. 
and you know what some people are thinking. Horror of horrors. Doesn't he know who Zacchaeus is? He's a sinner who needs a friend. That's who he is. And here's what I want you to think about as we close. I'll continue this tonight and give you the last two since I've spent so much time on these three. But, you know, a friend of sinners, Jesus is undisputedly a friend of sinners, and we ought to be too. But that did not mean that Jesus condoned their sin or that he engaged in it. And we can be a friend of sinners without condoning sin or engaging in it. That can be hard sometimes. And Jesus was such a friend, he left heaven to come down to earth where the sinners were. And to do something about it. How encouraging. You know, a person can be so encouraging, sons or a daughter of encouragement, that sometimes you need to think of the fact that a real friend will tell us what we need to hear. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, some people think that that's the only thing that they can do, and it's the only club they've got in their golf bag, and they'll hit you over the head with it every stinking time. But sometimes we need to be direct, but we need to remember the general principle of speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 14, even when we are direct. And lastly, the disciple Jesus loved. You know, that can be abused. We can twist that and say, Jesus just loves me so much, he's going to let me do whatever I want to One of the things I'm going to close with is this. Every label has a price tag. Every label has a price tag. The label on the car that you drive, it had a price tag. The labels on the clothes that you're wearing, they've got a price tag. The label on Jesus being the friend of sinners who loves us as no other could had a price tag. It didn't come cheap, did it? If you're not a Christian, through faith, repentance, and baptism, come to Jesus this very hour. If you are a Christian and you are more concerned about being a Republican or a Democrat a liberal or a conservative than you are about being the disciple that Jesus loved and a friend of sinners and a son or daughter of encouragement. You bought in to the wrong labels. Let us stand and sing.